or should I go down? Okay. Can you see the students participating down there? Because I want to. Okay. Because I want to get the student shot if we can as well. And I want to welcome everybody by webcast, especially those in New Orleans joining us. We love you. Let us know how we can do it better by simply emailing us. Uh, but Ustream seems to be working well for us, and we're trying to get more of the instruments in our webcast. So you could tell that I was changing things around while we were doing it, if you were watching. But we love you. All right, Jeremiah chapter 1, appointed as a prophet to nations. Look at Jeremiah 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Come on. Is anybody here wanting to receive that same call today? How many believe you've already received that call? Amen? Now we know that a prophet in the Old Testament was someone that heard the word of the Lord and spoke it faithfully. False prophets were those who either were lied to by all spirits or they themselves prophesied out of their own imaginations and their own dreams, out of their own flesh. But the prophet of God hears the word of God by God's Spirit. So they would either have a vision and see it performed in front of them, and then they would speak it out, or God would speak to them in an audible voice and they would hear it, or it would be the, um, the moving of God upon their heart. And as we know how Scripture came in the New Testament, it was God-breathed. Theonoustos is the Greek word that God's breath would come in them and go through them. And so the inspiration would come from God. And they were writing on behalf of God or speaking on behalf of God. And so that's how the prophet got their word. But we know, if you go now just to Second Peter, that we are this generation that God has called and He is speaking to. Go to, rather, it's First Peter. Chapter 2, say, I'm anointed and appointed. Come on, somebody say, I'm chosen. Praise God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we are these chosen people of God. We are the prophets of the New Testament. Let me give you another representation of that. Go to the book of Acts. One of my favorite passages, Acts chapter 2. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice. And address the crowd, fellow Jews, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So they weren't drinking Jack Daniels. They were drinking the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing wrong with drinking. Just what are you drinking? Amen. Get filled and filled and filled with the Holy Ghost. No, verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now remember, in the Old Testament, it was a unique occurrence for the spirit to come upon these prophets. 
You can go and read, you know, Ezekiel in the Lord's day. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he gets taken up in a vision. These were unique experiences. But now this prophecy from Joel, who was an Old Testament prophet, is being fulfilled here that in the last days he's going to pour out his Spirit upon all people. And now he clarifies, your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's the work of a prophet, to prophesy. Praise God. Young men will see visions. There you go, the work of a prophet. Your old men will dream dreams. Praise the Lord. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now we know that the gift of of being a prophet in the office is part of the fivefold ministry. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is where uh, we may differ with some on this, but it's a minor point. It's not a major point. But Ephesians chapter 4 says in verse 10, He who descended is the very one who ascended high above all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, obtaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, here's where we may differ. Number one, some people don't even believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today or these gifts of the leadership of the church, apostles and prophets especially. You'll meet some denominations that will still believe in the office, uh, rather the gift of a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. But they'll say that the time of the apostles is over because when the last one died, there was no more apostles. And we know that to be false. And then they'll also say the same thing, that there's no more prophets. That when the Bible was written and it was inscribed down, that there's no more need for holy inspiration. And so when we come along and we say that there are apostles, there are prophets, you know, today, they start saying, well, what the prophets that says, do you write down and is it Scripture? But you see, not everything that we prophesy, well, none of it is going to be Scripture, but it can still come from God. And even in the Old Testament, there were things that they prophesied that weren't written down. And even what Jesus said was all not written down. So it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be written down, number one. Number two, the Scripture is separate from prophecy in many different ways. It can be the same. It can be the same uh, thing for the Old Testament and for the New Testament. But prophecy, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, says that prophecy comes to encourage, build up and edify the church. Now, why am I saying all of this? To go back to Jeremiah that says, God knew you and formed you to be a prophet to the nations. So there can be no doubt today that these gifts are still here, that you are called to prophesy, that you are called to do the work of a prophet, that young men are here to see visions, as Ezekiel did. There is no doubt that God's Spirit is upon all of you here today, all of SUM, and the true church of Jesus Christ. And now I want to challenge you to be what God called you to be. To be a prophet. And some might say, well, what about the women? Let me just show you about the women. Go to the book of Acts. Come on, let me just show you about the women because sometimes people want to say, okay, well, Pastor, I'll go with you on all of those things. But the women really can't have the place in the body of Christ. I want to show you right here what Philip's daughters did and what they were called. So somebody help me find them because I don't have the reference in front of me. And I want to show you that Philip's daughters prophesied and that they had the gift 
of being prophetess. So help me find that passage where, thank you, my brother, Acts 21.9, where they visit Philip, who was a deacon, and yet he was an evangelist. So that goes back to our understanding of the offices being elders and deacons, and then the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors flowing through this. So here you see a man appointed in the office of a deacon. His gift is that of an evangelist. And here in Acts 21, what verse, brother? Verse 9, here you see his daughter says, leaving the next day, verse 8, we reach Caesarea and say that the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. So he's an evangelist by gift, one of the seven by office, a prophet, I mean uh, a deacon. And then in verse 9, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So there is no doubt that men and women can share these gifts and callings. Amen? So here we are today. September 24th, I mean August 24th, not by faith yet, just in the natural, right now, August 24, 2009, and I am looking at wonderfully called men and women of God, and I want to challenge you to do what Jeremiah did. The first thing I want you to look at is that the word of the Lord came to him. You see it right there at the beginning of verse 4 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me. You see, if you want to be used of God, you have to let the Word of God come to you. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The Word of God. And we learn in the parable of the four uh, grounds with the sower is that how you receive and understand the Word determines how the Word grows in your life. If you harden your heart to the Word, the Word will not take deep. A root in you it will remain on the surface. The devil will come and take it. If you allow the Word to only go beyond just a crack in the ground, persecution and hardship will come and the sun will burn it away. If you allow the Word to take place in your life, but you let temptation, the love of money and pleasures and worries of this life, it will choke out that Word. But lastly, if you go to the garden of your heart every day and you till it and you prepare a place for the Word of God to dwell, you hear it continually, you study it, you meditate on it, the Bible says that you can become a prophet that speaks it. So you have to love the Word of God. Look at Psalms 119. If there was anybody who loved the Word of God, it was David. Amen? Look at how David talks about loving the Word of God. Psalms 119. David's love for the Word of God. He goes through what you guys know, know as the whole Hebrew alphabet. Now you're learning. See, he goes through the whole Hebrew alphabet using that as a way to t count the ways of how much he loves the Word of God. So he uses the letters found in the Word of God to say how much he loves the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? And you look at Psalms 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And we've learned those were a lot of laws. Amen. He wasn't just saying ten commandments. He would recite hundreds of laws. He had a great love for God's word. Verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Come on. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. 
The Bible says, how can they hear unless somebody is sent? Somebody had to be sent to you to give you the word. You heard it. You received it. You got saved. You kept coming to church. You had to receive a word from the Lord to join Bible college. Amen? We wouldn't have accepted you in the SUM unless you said, I heard a word from the Lord. Now, we like to say in charismaticism that there's two types of word. Now, this is another thing that you can take or leave at your own discretion. But there is the written word, which we consider to be the logos, the the written word, 66 books of the Bible. It never changes. It's always the way it is. But then there is the rhema word that God speaks to you, that God will say to you, Sue Ellen, get up in the morning, go preach over there. Did you hear the word of the Lord? Yes. Was it found in the 66 books of the Bible? No, but it was a word of the Lord to you. So specifically, Jeremiah saying the word of the Lord came to me. That means he knew how to not only read these scriptures and study the Pentateuch, the Torah of his day, but he also knew how to have an ear to hear what God and the Spirit was saying to him on a daily basis. You learn that in the life of Samuel, when he was in the temple, the Lord was calling his name, and he kept going to Eli, going, what do you want? What do you want? And Eli says, I'm not calling your name. I I don't know who's calling you. And then I think it was the third time or second time, Eli says, hey, I think it's God calling you. Next time, say here, your servant is listening. You see, sometimes we don't recognize how to hear the Word of God. You see, you might be good at studying the 66 books of the Bible, but you may not know how to hear the Word of God in your personal life for relationships and who to choose to be with, what ministries to be a part of. And you need to attune your ear to that. You need to tune in to the Word of the Lord by the Spirit of God so you can hear the specific things that He's speaking to each one of you. Because Galatians says, as many as walk by the Spirit are led by the Spirit. And so you have to live and be led by the Spirit. So number one, do you love the Word of God? Because to be a prophet or a prophetess, you have to love the Word of God. You have to love these 66 books in the Bible that have been perfectly and accurately preserved. You have to love spending time with the Lord, hearing what He's saying to you in your prayer closet, hearing the callings that He has for you, hearing the plans for your life. You have to love the Word of God. Do you love God's Word? Number two, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Number one, uh, number two, do you know that God has always known you? As long as God has known Himself, He has always known of you. Now that does not mean what the Mormons teach, that you had a pre-existent soul that was in heaven as a spirit child, and then it came down and took on flesh. That is not true. That's a lie. But as long as God always knew of Himself, which is from all eternity past, forever and ever, He's always known Himself. He's always had a conscious mind of who He is. He's always known of you. There's never been a time that God didn't know who Eddie Berto was. If you would have came and talked to God five billion years ago and said, who's Eddie Berto? Eddie Berto's going to be a person that I uh, allowed to be born in 2000, or 19, what? 1985. He's going to do this, this, and this. That's who Eddie Berto will be. Some people will say, well, does that mean God takes away free will? No, it's just God has foreknowledge of everything that you will do in free will. So God understands the beginning from the end. So before God ever created Adam and Eve, He already knew you would be a descendant of Adam and Eve. 
And that's why some people don't understand redemption because they say when Adam and Eve messed up, why didn't God just destroy Adam and Eve? Well, if He would have done that, He would have destroyed the seed and the purpose of everyone that would have been born after them. Because when He made Adam and Eve, He knew the seed of Adam and Eve would be billions of people. So you want to talk about being unjust and unfair? He would have damned an entire generation of human race just on one person's disobedience. That's why everyone God says comes to this earth is under His mercy and has a chance to repent. And seek the Lord while He may be found. Do you know that God has always had a plan for you? Ministry is not like the apple that falls on your head. Oh, I think I'll do this. And then like you get in some trials and tests like your fourth week, fifth week in school. Maybe it's already happened your second week with homework. And all of a sudden you're saying, God, where are you? Am I even called? What am I doing here? Do you know me? Are you answering my prayers? I'm not seeing anything happen here. What's going on? Let me tell you something. It's not an accident. The devil does not trick you and tell you to go to Bible college. Okay? He does not work against himself. He does not trick you. So I don't know if I was really called here. I remember I used to have students say that to me when I was a student at SUM. I don't know if I was really called here. Well, I'll tell you what. The devil didn't call you here. And I'll tell you what, well, what if, what if the Lord wanted me to do something else? Well, you're here now. Do this. God will bless you. Trust me. It's still part of His will. He's not going to say, well, you know, stop studying the Word, guys. Go back home. Do whatever you were doing. Work in a grocery store. That's really what I want. No, come on. Number two, are you confident in your calling and are you confident in God? Because if you're not, I love what Chancellor said, and you need to make sure you guys listen to his message from Friday, that what you're struggling in is faith. And trust me, we've all struggled with it, and we continually will. Because there's one fight that you'll always fight, and it's called the fight of what? Faith. Paul says fight the good fight of faith. So number two, are you confident in your calling? Are you confident that God has called you? And are you confident in Him that He's able to do what He said He would do? Look with me right now into uh, Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 1. So many times we've used these Scriptures for our own personal benefit, but we haven't understand that many of these Scriptures are applying towards people in ministry, applying towards people that are suffering for God's kingdom. Read this Scripture here and not only think about you're going to make it to heaven because you're not going to fornicate and be a sinner anymore. Think about it in your ministry sense. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Verse 4, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership. Come on, your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. See, how many times have we read that and we're just saying, well, I'm struggling with something. Oh, God's going to complete this work of sanctification. That's not even the context right here. Though it could apply to it. But the direct context is people who've partnered with the Gospel. People who are working with the Gospel. You are in partnership with the Gospel and you're working and you're working. And sometimes it gets hard and you don't know if you can complete a class. You don't know if you can complete a school year. Complete a task of ministry. And here you can come back to this Scripture and say, I know that God knew me. He knew me before I was even created. And when He created me, He created me with this purpose. And I am confident. Not in my own self. Not in my own ability. But I am confident 
in Jesus Christ and God the Holy Ghost. He'll make a way for me and complete His work. Come on, I'm going to make it. Say, I'm going to make it. Dr. Miller has told me that there's a retrition rate, a dropout rate in school. We will not receive that here in Jesus' name. Everybody will complete it. If we've got to drag you across the finish line and kick the devil off you, we will get you there. And you better get something on the inside of you called confidence. And it's not in yourself. It doesn't say, I'm confident in you guys because you're so darn smart. No, he says, I am confident of this, that he, he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it out to completion. Until when? Until, will will God give up on me in my first year? Will God give up on me in my second year? How about 20 years into ministry, when i got to raise $20 million for an African orphanage? Will God give up on me then? No, he will complete it until the day Jesus Christ comes. I wish Cynthia would get excited about that. Come on, I with you would believe that God will complete it. Don't quit on God's call. Don't quit on God's call. Don't, don't say that God forgot about me. God's not here helping me. God doesn't know me. I'm out here by myself in the middle of the wilderness. No, God is with you. And all things are working together for your good. Because, because of your calling. Hallelujah. Number two, are you confident of your calling? And number three, before you were born, I set you apart. We are called to be set apart. We are called to live the lifestyle of holiness, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Fire will sanctify anything it touches. And the hotter the flame, the quicker it goes out. The quicker you put a hot flame, you know, in this building right now, it'll start burning the wood. You start putting the flame like nuclear style, it'll start melting these bricks. Are you listening to me? It'll put them back to sand. You put a, a, the biggest atomic nuclear bomb, it will disintegrate everything you see here. Pastor, I'm struggling with sin. Get more of God's fire in your life. Pastor, I'm struggling with temptation. Get more of God's presence in your life. Because the more you stir the fire, more the hot, the flame, the flame gets hotter, the faster and quicker that junk burns out of your life. Our God is a consuming fire. Let Him consume your life today. Come on. Let Him consume your life today. You were called to be set apart. Every single one of you has something precious in your life that you set apart from everything else. I do not put my marriage ring the same place where I put my dirty clothes. I don't put it where I put my garbage. Are you listening to me? When I take this off every day, I set it apart. It has a special place in my house just for this ring to be. Why? Because it's precious to me. God wants to set you apart from this world, from the sin that is in this world, from the evil. He does not want you to be in the gutter of sin, of sexual sin, of, of violent sin, of lazy sin, all the types of sin in the Bible. He wants you to be set apart. Number three, are you set apart? Are you living a sanctified life? Go to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians teaching us that you have been called to be washed and sanctified and cleansed and clean thoroughly in all ways. Hallelujah. Rather turn with me to uh, First Thessalonians.
chapter 3, verse 22, of chapter 5, verse 23, chapter 5, verse 23 of First Thessalonians. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Look at verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. Pastor, I can't quit sinning. He will get sin out of your life. Pastor, I keep wanting to quit. Let the Holy Ghost Get that quitting spirit out of you. Pastor, I'm feeling like I can't pray. He will get you up to pray. The Holy Ghost is greater in you than he that's in the world. You just need to let God move through you and in you. Come on. Woo! He will do it. He will do it. I didn't sit down one day, November 5th, 1995, and try really hard to change myself. The day you got saved, you didn't just sit up at this altar going, I won't smoke, I won't smoke, I won't go out with my friends anymore. I'm going to try hard to change myself. Who did it? God did it. Through the Holy Ghost. And where did it go? It went to your spirit man first, regenerating you. Then it went through your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, cleansing you. And then it touched your body. And you got that Holy Ghost jump. Come on. And He's changing where you see, what you hear, what you do, what you touch, what you taste, what you smell even. Changing all the five senses of your body. Look at what it says. That He would sanctify you. Make you holy. Make you holy like Him. Through your whole spirit. Your whole soul. Your whole body. So you'll be blameless. Say, but pastor, I sin. Every time you sin, you're forgiven. You're blameless. And He knows the beginning from the end. And He knows that you're already seated in heavenly places with Him right now. Clothed in His righteousness. You need to have faith that He's able. He's able to keep His Word to you. And who will do it? He will do it. How can we be prophets? Number one, we have to love the Word of God. We have to study God's Word. That's why you're in college. We then have to have private devotional times to hear it speak to our hearts and our lives. Number two, we must be sure of our calling, that God has called us, that God will complete it, that we're not out here in the wilderness. And number three, we must be set apart, sanctified by the Holy Ghost through and through by God's power. And lastly, going back to Jeremiah chapter 1, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What does that look like? Well, in the life of Jeremiah, he began to speak the Word of God and people began to persecute him. And not many people converted. And if you read the book of Lamentations, it broke his heart because God's judgment still came upon Israel, specifically Judah, through the Babylonians, he prophesied, and it happened. Judgment came. Sometimes the word of the Lord we speak as prophets is not always happy. It's not always joyful. But even though there's judgment in our message, it still comes with redemption. And you can read Jeremiah that God was still giving him promises for the people of Israel despite their great wickedness and his punishment upon them. Lastly, do you know that God's appointed you to go to nations? 
You know, I don't know what it was like living in the 1500s, 1600s, you know, where you had to travel on a boat, you know, three months to get across the ocean. I don't know what it was like when you had to take a horse through the jungles of Africa. But I'm telling you right now, nations are all around us, even in Chicago, over 300 nations. As a matter of fact, every major nation of the world is right here in our backyard. So this, this is not something spiritual off in the distance. Oh, I'm going to go to nations one day. I'll be in the bottom tip of Africa. No, you're here right now. You're among nations right now. We have about five to ten just sitting right here. Different Latino nations, European nations. Come on. Do you know that God has called you to go to them and speak the Word? To speak the word, repent. That's the first word. We always know that's the first word of all the prophets. It was the word of, Jer- uh, of John the Baptist. It was the word of Jesus. You always got to come and preach, re- preach repentance. But then all of the other things, the full counsel of God. Let's go to the book of Acts. Hallelujah. How many of you love Jesus? Look at the book of Acts. So many illustrations to find here of these men going to nations and preaching the gospel. But let's just take one of the most encouraging to me. Let's go to the Macedonian call that Paul received, which I believe is in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Somebody help me find it because I don't think that might be exactly where it's at. The Macedonian call. Acts 16. Thank you, my brother. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Pargia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Ghost from preaching the Word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Traos. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, come on, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got up at once, praise God, Woo! at once, come on, at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Aren't you ready for some midnight visions to call you overseas, to call you down the road, to call you to the Muslim community, the Asian community? Aren't you ready? Because if God closes one door, He's opening another door. Here they tried to preach in these areas and the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them. And then they get a vision, a man saying, come on, come on, come on, I want it, I need it, come over here. It reminds me of what we're doing right now. We tried to start a church over here in Indiana. They didn't want it. We tried to go over to different parts of the suburbs. They don't want it. Then all of a sudden we get a call from Pakistan. Come on. Come on. We need you over here. And so at once we got to get up and go. And that's why we need prosperity on God's people so that we can have the shekels and the dollars and cents in place that we can get right on a plane and go, here we come. Let's buy the plane. Amen. How else are we going to take 100, 200, 300 missionaries over there? When those 747s can fit about 300 people, how am I going to take 300 over there unless I got the plane? Amen? So right now we're praying for the 15-passenger bus, so the van, so you guys can go down to New Orleans. After that, we're going for the 747. Praise God. Our God is able. 
Lastly, do you have a heart to see the vision of the call to where you need to go? Are you seeking God? Because what was Paul doing? He said, man, I ain't got a vision, but I'm just going over here. I'm going to preach right here. God says, no, that's not for you. He didn't have to wait and pray over his oatmeal and say, do I put cherries on top or not? You know, how do I tie my shoes this morning? No, he just went out and started preaching. And then when God wanted him not to preach where he was preaching, he just closed the door and said, no. Don't want you to go. See, God knows how to direct you. That's why in this ministry, unless you do all the practicums we put before you, if it's not meant for you, God will close the door and then He'll send you somewhere else. Are you listening? So you've got to get the bicycle moving to turn it. You can't turn a bicycle standing still, can you? You see, you've got to have fire to have wildfire and you've got to let the fire burn. And when it gets a little too wild, we'll bring it in. But just get out there and win souls and be ready for the calling. Oh, I want to go over here on this avenue. I want to go to this high school. Nations. Nations. And you don't show up there and say, Well, I'm just somebody from Matthew. I'm doing my practicum. You come there and say, I'm a prophet of God. Speaking the Word of God. Come to Jesus. Nations belong to the kingdom. I'm an ambassador of the King. Calling forth the nations. Glory to God. We are a chosen generation appointed to be prophets to this nation and the nations of the world. Would you stand up with me, please? Lilani, would you come? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, I am called to be a prophet to the nations. Just raise up your hands and say one more time, I am called to be a prophet to the nations. Now just say, Lord, use me. Come on, come on. Use me, Jesus. Use us. Come on, just say it right now. God, use me, use me, use me. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Use me. Miss you, but we're now going to leave our webcast on until we're done. So feel free to join with us. Come on, just get in groups, pray for each other. Nations, nations, nations. Prophets and prophetesses to nations. Come on, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty Come on, get called. Get confident in your calling. Receive your calling. Come on, hear the word of the Lord to you today. The Lord is with you, mighty Oh, la 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 la
other 90 more seconds then we're going to come back to the front come on pray for each other jesus jesus use us raise us up to reach nations it's impossible to preach the gospel in america without reaching nations anymore this is such an obvious word for us today nations nations you can't go to a college campus without reaching nations you can't go witnessing on your street without reaching nations Come on, and then literally some of you are going to go live in other nations. Some of you are going to go to other nations. Woo! Come on. Come on. Pakistan is hungry. Come on, the Middle East is the modern-day Macedonia. Africa, India, they're calling. Come, come, come. Jesus. 30 more seconds. Come on. Jesus, send me, send me, send me. Here I am, send me, I'll go. Here we are, send us. Come on, 15 seconds, then come back to the front. And we're just going to cry out to God for some nations today. Come on. Come on, now just begin to make your way to the front. Come on, just begin to make your way to the front. Line up all across this front right now. Quickly, come, come. we got to go and pray for these nations. Quickly, come and stand in the front. Start waving these flags to the Lord. Jesus, nations. Come on, nations. Start calling them out. Start calling them out, Jesus. Jesus, we intercede for the nations. We intercede for the nations. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Some of you move on down this way. Move on down this way. Fill this front area right here. Come on. Fill this front area right here. You don't need to pray long prayers. Just pray 10 second, 30 second prayers right now for the nations you're holding in your hands and for the one God puts on your heart. We don't need to pray long. Why? Because the anointing is here. Intercede this week. But right now, we're just going to proclaim them to the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Father God. We just claim Honduras for you in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. We claim that your spirit would pour out, oh God. Through your prophets here in this room, oh God. That Honduras would come to you in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord Father God. America is yours, Lord Father God. Lord Father God, this vaccine nation will come back to you, Lord Father God. Lord Father God, this nation is yours, oh God. Oh, 
Oh, Father God, lift up Brazil to you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord God, your mercies, Father God, your graces are new every day, Father God, in the name of Jesus, send missionaries, Father God, send missionaries, Father God, to, to, to bring people to their knees, to cry out for revival for this nation, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, have mercy. Yes, Jesus, Jesus, Father God, I pray right now, Father God, that you send your fire upon the reek, oh Lord God, and your spirit will dwell with them, Lord God, that you will give them power, Father God, to witness, Father God, and reach out, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray for Mexico, Father God, that you be able to expand more churches in that nation, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that you be able to bring down your fire upon those people, Father God. That you let them join your word. Let them be able to bow down before you and worship you, Lord. Let your fire rain down, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray for India, O God. I pray that you will raise up leaders, Lord, and pastors. I pray that all young and old, oh God, will hear the message of the gospel and get saved, Father God. We pray for disciples to be made. We pray, Lord God, that the message of the gospel will go forward without any hindrance, Lord. That all will come to know you as Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Jesus! Revival in Africa, God! Revival in Africa, Lord! Consume them, God! Consume them, Lord! Consume Africa, Jesus, your fire, God. Today, Lord, open doors, God. Lord God, we declare today that you are the banner of Ecuador, God. Prepare the way, prepare the hearts of men, prepare the dry and weary land for a rain, for a revival rain. In Jesus' name we declare, hallelujah. 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 Nancy, pray for India with the Ireland flag. You pray for uh, Ireland this time. Hallelujah. Amen, Father God. We pray for Ireland, Father God, that you will raise the ministers. In your word, Father God, that the word will be preached, Father God, in the streets, oh Father God, and people will give their lives to you, oh God. We pray for revival, Jesus, to spark an island, Father God. Father God, send them, Lord. In Jesus. Yes, all through Europe. Come on, let's now pray for the Middle East. Just name off those nations. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Egypt, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria, Iran, Iraq. Come on, pray for Asia, China, Japan, Vietnam. Come on, Jesus, the Philippines, Indonesia. Come on, come on, the islands, Bahamas, Haiti, Dominican Republic. Jesus, 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 Trinidad. Move, Lord, move, God, all of Europe, England, France, Denmark, the Netherlands, Holland. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Move, Lord, all through Central and South America, Canada. Jesus, Australia, New Zealand. Whoa, nations, 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 nations. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just sing this with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Over the nations, we're singing it right now. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know that's the one word that every nation says. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. They always say that. Come on, hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God says we're going to be a nation of praisers to call out His praise. Come on, that's why we were chosen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, a couple more times. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let every nation praise the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One more time, every nation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just sing it out real high. Hallelujah. Just sing it out, Milani. Come on, sing it over us right now. Just sing hallelujah. hallelujah. No, not hallelujah. like that. Just sing hallelujah. Sing it out high and just drag it out. Come on. There you go. There it is. Sing it over us right now. We receive it, Lord. receive it today. Come on, say, I receive the promises as she's singing now. Come on, we receive it. We receive it today. Use your imagination and start imagining crusades, churches, orphanages, and all these nations. Come on, we declare it. We receive it by faith. Come on, just keep singing it over us now. our gods. Come on, it's our gods. It belongs to God. Let's just sing that one time. Come on. And let's be specific. The nations are our gods. The nations are our gods. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time.